We're talking about King James today. And let me say this. If there was social media in the 16th and 17th century, King James would be a top influencer. Oh, an influencer? An influencer like you and me. Right. Well, I was verified at like 14 months, not that anyone's counting after you were. So I feel like if anyone's a top influencer, it's you. I'm not sure on his verification yet. We'll have to check. So James got to be king when all of Great Britain came under one monarch. But the thing about James is he had a major obsession with witchcraft and not necessarily in a positive way. Oh, I'm glad I waited because I was about to say same. (laughs) And then you said that. So glad it's not me. We would be verified for two very different things, I think. (laughs) Hi, everyone, and welcome to Rituals, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm M. Schultz. And I'm Christine Schieffer. Every week, we'll explore the evolution of spiritualism and the occult through stories, practices, and the impact on modern culture. So we are talking about King James today. I feel like as a recovering Catholic, do you have anything to say about him? Because as a Jewish person, I don't. (laughs) You don't, even though you're going to have to narrate this whole episode. I don't have anything up until I learned about King James for this episode. (laughs) I I knew nothing. Got it. My only thought on King James is Bible, question mark. Me too. That was all I knew. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I guess our upbringings differ in some ways, but not that one. (laughs) I actually tried to look up fun facts about King James to throw in here, but I could not find any fun facts. Just just facts. (laughs) Just normal facts. (laughs) But now I have a pretty well-rounded idea of who he was. I'm very excited to share him with you because I don't know how we haven't covered him yet. Really? Yeah. I really have no idea what's coming. So let's... I'll let you say it. Let's crack into it. Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money maker. Play the game and you could win money. Up to $2 million. With more than 88 million in prizes, ranging from 50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. As for King James, before we get into how he's involved with the Bible, I will ask you more about his royal lineage. I wanted to know, how much do you know about the royal lineage to begin with? You just said you're going to ask me about his royal lineage, and I hope you're not, because I really don't have any answers for you, as we've just determined. Oh, are you someone who celebrates, like, the royal families and things like that? Do you know anything about, like... Oh, certainly not. What I consider English pop culture. English pop culture, (laughs) certainly not even a little bit. I mean, the most... I'm trying to think. I watched a little bit of The Crown, and I was like, oh, cool, who are these people? And then the internet was, like, really intense about it, and I said, I think I'm in the wrong group here. My first thought when I was perusing these notes was, oh, who gets so obsessed with like just some random family, even if they are royal? And then I was like, wait a second. And I was obsessed with the Duggars of all people. And they're far from royalty. No offense. <laughs> Ask a fundamentalist and they will beg to differ. Okay. <laughs> okay fair, fair point. Fair point. Point taken. Okay. I am obsessed with the Duggars and their friends, the Bates, and purely out of fascination, people, because it's just so unlike how I grew up. But... It's shocking that I know as little as I do about 
the royals because I feel like I am someone who 100% feeds into. Agreed. I guess like to a lot of people, they're considered like another version of like the Kardashians. Right. And I was very into the Kardashians. So I guess that was the team I picked. Oh my gosh, you're right. You're ripe for the picking here. I know. I do know all the names of like their kids, which I also know that about the Kardashians. So. Uh, oh, I don't. <laughs> I don't even know the names of the Kardashians and I worked at E. So I feel like. Oh, and you don't anymore. So. <laughs> and I wonder why. Yeah, exactly. I was not so kindly removed from the premises. I do have a fun fact about the royals before we move on, though. Oh, you do have some fun facts, just not about King James. It's my personal favorite fun fact, which maybe to everybody else, they already know this, but I found out late in life. And so it's special to me. But do you know what the last name of the royals is? Highness. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, you're not totally far off. So they end up choosing the last name of like whatever their land they represent. So like how William and Harry are like the Duke of Cambridge and the Duke of Sussex. They would just be like William Cambridge. And Harry Sussex. Seriously? Yeah. And like how they got their dukedoms. If you don't have a labeled title like that, the standard in the family to use in case like you need to like fill out a passport or something is Mountbatten Windsor as the last name. Okay. Well, um, you pretended like you didn't know anything about the royals. And now I feel like you're knowing way more than the average person. So that's truly the only fun fact I have. But anyway... And you don't know much about King James. You know as much as I do. Bible man. Probably. Perhaps even less. I know King James Bible. That's about it. There are some major literary works that he wrote or influenced. I did not know this, especially one that he wrote called Demonology, which I had no idea. I had no idea he was involved in witchcraft. Hindsight's twenty twenty, because a lot of people have suggested King James as a topic I look into one day and I always felt like I feel like this is a trick because he loved the Bible. <laughs> it's a trap. <laughs> but he wrote a book called Demonology. So, I mean, you tell me. I've heard of that and I guess I sort of knew that, but I never put it together that it was the same King James who also did the whole Bible thing. So I guess I'm kind of putting it all together now. Well, moving into it, there's actually a reason you might have been confused by his name. So if you're not 100% clear on the history, which I was not, James VI of Scotland and James I of England are the same person. See, this is where it's confusing. I'm like, Windsor and Cambridge and James and James and James. It's all very (laughs) baffling to me. There was also a few Henrys and Louis in there. So So many. So the way that that happened is because James was born to Mary, Queen of Scots, in June 1566, and Mary abdicated her throne in July of the following year. So even though he was King James after his mother stepped down, he didn't take full control of the throne until 1581. Okay. And five years later in 1586, James and Elizabeth I became allies under the Treaty of Berwick. Oh, sure, 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 sure. We know her, obviously. We don't. (laughs) I think Elizabeth II is currently queen, right? See, this is... Don't look at... Okay, I'm sorry. I don't know what I did. I'm not the one. Don't look at me. So here's the silly thing is despite Elizabeth having executed his mother... What? (laughs) I know. I had to intake a breath. That was the pause there. I was taking a moment to inhale some oxygen. There's a whole dramatic side story that I don't even think we have time to get into. But yeah, so they became allies and (laughs) and then she executed his mom. Oh my God. And... Despite that, James stayed in Elizabeth's good graces because he wanted to succeed her on the English throne. (laughs) Priorities. (laughs) I was going to say, I feel like that's maybe the only time I've found something 
1% justifiable for why you would keep someone in your circle after they killed your mom is like to rule a kingdom. To take the throne. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's very Game of Thrones of them. Uh Wow, that's a lot. I mean, maybe I should get into the royals. This like I was thinking the same thing. I was like, if I thought of history class as like drama class, like drama, not theater, but drama like gossip. And like, oh, absolutely. So then this king did this thing and then she died. If that's how I thought of history, I would have probably become like an archivist years ago, you know? An archivist. We would be on the board of Harvard, probably. <laughs> you said it, not me. So in March 1603, Elizabeth died and James did actually become king of England and Ireland, which created the kingdom of Great Britain. And that's what earned him the title of James I. I see. So the collab, if you will, I'm trying to bring this into like today's world so we retain it better. Well, he is an influencer. Uh huh. I am following it under that guise. See, I thought you might. So he <laughs> remained the king of Scotland, England, and Ireland until his death in 1625. Okay. King James was considered a shrewd ruler who was able to control all of the various religious and political groups in Scotland, which big shoes, big shoes he's wearing. And one of his most notable contributions to England was the Bible is the answer. Okay. So he published it in 1611. And... To this day, a lot of people sure do love that King James Version. They love it. They love the stuff. You know who also reads it? The Duggars. The Duggars. (laughs) Not to bring them in, but I do know because they like to talk about their Bibles. They let me know every time which ones they use. And every now and then some of them will buy a, a KJV, if you know what I'm saying. I know, unfortunately, what you're saying. So there's a reason why we're talking about King James on this show, Rituals, which up until now probably makes zero sense. Hmm. And that's due to the fact that he was known to be very superstitious (gasps) and he was known to love the occult. What? More be fascinated by the occult than love it, because otherwise, why would he have written a Bible? (laughs) Right. (laughs) But also, he was responsible for overseeing the largest witch trials in Scotland. (gasps) Oh, no. Uh Uh-huh. So he loved the occult for all the wrong reasons. Oh, no. Oh, no. I see where this is going. Okay. And that's why we talk about him today. So, And that's why we drink. (laughs) Honestly, (laughs) leave that in, Spotify. They're going to put a moratorium on that phrase. I'm not allowed to say it anymore. We're just going to hear a loud beep sensor bar. (laughs) So before he became king, the witch trials were not happening that often. But in 1590... The fleet of ships carrying his bride-to-be, Anne of Denmark, had to turn back because of a dangerous storm. Oh, no. And James did not like that. So he was like, I'm just going to go get her myself. But then he also had to turn around because of bad weather, which is the most, like, dude bro energy I've ever heard of, like, hey, everyone, the weather's not looking great. We should probably stay off the road. And he's like, I'm fine. I'm just going to go do it. And then five minutes later, he's like, oh, my God, the weather's bad, everybody. Did you not? Did you know? (laughs) Why didn't anyone warn me? Yeah. So that's how it feels when I read that. It feels like he, like, was given clear instruction and he had to find out for himself 10 minutes later. And let me guess, he blamed it on someone else. And it was probably a witch. He blamed it on, read episode one, the weather witches. Gosh, you know, yikes. Yikeroonies. So, as you may have learned from our first episode of Rituals, if not, please go listen. But this is when the concept of weather witches was a thing. So, oh, Lord. when he couldn't get to his 
underage bride. Mm. He blames it on the weather witches. Ironically, in today's world, I'd be like, yeah, the witches were trying to stop you from hanging out with your underage bride. But okay. Honestly, it tracks. Again, feminists, a.k.a. spooky. I don't know. I'm writing my own narrative there. But he just couldn't he couldn't get to Anne of Denmark and he blamed it on the witches. He said they were manipulating the weather and stopping him from being with Anne. So he wanted to rid the world of them, which also fed the public sphere as well, because if your leader is saying, hey, witches are no bueno, which, by the way, I think is a direct quote from the Bible. It sounds like really familiar. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Chapter and verse. Estas brujas no buenas. So, <laughs> what? So, yeah, he said he was not down with the weather witches, and he eventually attended the North Berwick Witch Trials, which was the oh. biggest persecution of witches in Scotland. Okay, saying attended, it sounds like a music festival. Like, he attended the... He dominated, let's put it that way, I, as far as I'm concerned. Star of the show. He had a great time watching from, like, the best seats of the house, I would say. VIP entrance. Got it. Mm-hmm. Not to make this more about the influence, the influencer analogy, but here we are. I feel like we started with that slight narrative and now we're just forcing it in and I love it. Coming up, I'll talk about the North Berwick Witch Trials and the book King James wrote to rally his people against the existence of witches. Great, I can't wait. (laughs) So before James became king of Scotland in 1581, the witch trials were rare, and though the belief in witchcraft was out there, King James really... uh, solidified this for everyone. He took the reins and tried to bring his new bride over, got stopped by bad weather, and that bad weather was clearly the work of witches. Okay. I mean, obviously. So that same year, James attends the North Berwick Witch Trials, and it started with a man in Scotland who became suspicious of his maid. That was how this all started out. Oh, boy. Okay. He was suspicious of his maid because she kept sneaking out at night and helping cure people of their illnesses. Oh, God forbid. You got to stop her. There were so many, not even, there were a few directions we could have gone here. You could have seen it as, my maid is sneaking out to help people. What a saint. Or maybe we should put her on a medical board since she's clearly good at this. But she's a witch, obviously. Or like, hey, you're not cleaning my floorboards very well because you're so tired from sneaking out all night. Why don't you go do that for a living instead of cleaning my floorboards? Or, hey, you're fired so you can go do all of these wonderful human acts that you're doing. Nope. 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 She was just a witch. So because (laughs) she, by the way, was helping cure people of their illnesses, she was brutally tortured until she confessed, saying that she was doing the devil's work. Like, how do they even put that together? Like, oh, she's helping cure people. This must be Satan. The ways she was doing it were like not common. I don't know. Like what? Like how crazy must it have been the way she was dried oregano potpourri? And by the way, if I ever meet someone who's curing people of their illnesses successfully over and over again in a way that like is not known to the common man, that's a golden ticket right there. I'd be like, I have the front row to 
like wonderful health care. Hang on a second. Well, I'll be honest. I know that I said we we're forcing this narrative, but it does sound a little influencer-y of like, oh, this magical cure-all potion. You know what That's I mean? That's true. I it could like, be essential oils for all we know. Uh, yeah, yeah. You said it, not me. But yeah, I feel like that it could have gone that direction in a modern day setting. Mm. But they would have not been brutally tortured until they confessed to witchcraft. They would have just maybe admitted to witchcraft. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like that's a win. But what do I know? I feel like at least people aren't being mass executed anymore, at the very least. But yeah, for all we know, maybe her talents, even if they weren't working, though, like, what is this dude's problem? Sorry. Like, what? Men. Next. (laughs) (laughs) So she then named other Scottish women as witches in the middle of her confession. Oh, no. Which we can all probably guess that she was confessing under duress and did not actually mean any of this, but moving on. Can you imagine, though, like, she spouts out your name, and you're like, wait a minute. (laughs) No one was safe. Truly no one was safe. One of the people she mentioned, actually, was Agnes Sampson, which, throwback to episode 230 of And That's Why We Drink, if you want to go get a full detailed history of that. Oh, Agnes was a well-known midwife in North Berwick, and she was put in front of King James and interrogated and tortured and confessed that she had tried to use witchcraft against the king and was burned at the stake. Super. So, (sighs) there you go. There you go. So, other than Agnes Sampson, the maid also confessed that Dr. John Fian might be a witch. And so, he was named and questioned by the king, and he confessed and recanted his work with the devil. (sighs) And he briefly escaped prison only to be recaptured. And I can't imagine what type of torture he had. Oh, no. Oh, no. Those are just two options. But just to remind everybody, like the witch trials were coming in a full swing. This was before the Salem witch trials, but this was not a good time for people over there. No. By 1592, more than 70 people had been tried as part of the North Berwick witch hunt and dozens, plural, were burned at the stake. Terrifying. Terrifying. Following these witch trials, King James must have considered himself a witch expert since he Mm. just was front and center for all of it. And he decided that he was going to spread his knowledge to the world, which... Oh, thank God. What a humanitarian compared to people (laughs) like the maid and everyone who was actually helping people who he's now burned at the stake. Well, (sighs) so he decided, I've seen and heard enough about witches that I, of all people, should be... uh, Granting people the sage wisdom I have. So God. so he wrote demonology. I see. I'm getting it now. I know. When you hear it just as he wrote the Bible and demonology, you, at least I see it as like quite a Jekyll Hyde moment. I'm like, hang Absolutely. on, which camp are you in? But yeah. now we know the truth. Now I get it a little more. It's sort of like a catchy title for something that mm-hmm. we would not enjoy. <laughs> That's the truth. So in 1597, James published this book about witchcraft called Demonology while he was the king of Scotland, by the way. Like, wasn't he king? Shouldn't Get he have been job. doing? <laughs> what were you not doing while you wrote Demonology? Yeah, what was like being put on the wayside? I'm nervous about this. These duties of yours are not being prioritized well, methinks. Oh, methinks. So, <laughs> so demonology explains how James fully believes in magic and witchcraft and wants to prove its existence to the reader and lays out how to handle it with trials and punishments. Oh, no. Like the first half, I was like, cool, I'm on board. And then it quickly does a 180. I mean, this also reminds me of the Malleus Maleficarum. I forget how to pronounce it, but we talked about it a few episodes back. Maleficarum. 
you nailed it. Thank you. Because I was like, oh, God, I'm just saying this very quickly. But it reminds me of that, which we talked about a while ago, which also was like written by a villain, I'm pretty sure. Another villain. Yeah, there's so many of them. Well, here's my thing, though. He's the king and he's writing about how he fully believes in magic and witchcraft and he's laying out how to handle them with trials and punishments. Can you imagine like the leader of your home is just writing books like this, just saying, so this exists, this exists, this is how you're going to punish them. It could be anyone. How were those allowed to merge? I feel like this should have been like he ghost wrote it and we find out after he was king that like he was the author of this or something. But he was very publicly announcing. Like, yeah, I guess it just goes to show how much this was part of the norm. You know what I mean? Like how it was just like, oh, that person's a witch. It's just it's part of our duty is to find these witches and punish them and bring them to justice. Yikes. Also, I just can't imagine being somebody at this time who could have been accused as a witch and knowing that like the king is also making the entire world a pretty unsafe spot for you. But like, yeah, even the king's encouraging like, oh, go look for these witches. They could be anyone. And they're midwives. They're helping people yeah. birth their babies. And it's like, mm, actually, we should murder that person. Mm-hmm. Okay, I guess nobody's safe. Mm-hmm. And then my first thought was like, all the women should have just ran and like moved into the woods together. But guess what? That's like what they would have totally seen as witchcraft at the time. Like, oh, a coven is That's out in the woods. That's what I see as witchcraft now. I'm like, yeah, let's all move into the woods together. <laughs> Sounds great. Sounds fun. Here's another point, Christine. How was this book being published at the time? Like, was it? being mass produced in the 1590s or was everyone just like sharing the same book from the library okay yeah because what it's not like every little town and village has its own library with a copy yeah, that's a good point and like what are they doing i imagine he has a little scribe who's like handwriting this like sir we should really be uh you know helping the grain storage i don't know what they did Like he was once like a higher up in the kingdom and he's just (laughs) like somehow been slowly demoted to like just writing this book over and over again by hand. This guy's personal rantings and ravings of lunacy. Was this a time when people did like the hear ye, hear ye thing? And maybe he just just read it at every door. I don't know. Oh, I imagine it being 6,000 pages. So I feel like that would be quite, I mean, I'm sure it was not 6,000 pages, but I imagine it was quite a tome. Actually, I don't know what the length of it was but it was divided into three whole sections so you're probably onto something <laughs> no okay so it was a tome of three sections and the town scryer had to read these aloud to every imagine the scryer only getting through the first section he's like wait there's more hear ye hear ye hear ye <laughs> hear ye <laughs> <laughs> this sounds like an improv sketch we're trying to <laughs> So it was divided into three sections. And here are the three. But I also think that King James, shockingly, as king, he probably was not fit 100% to be an author because he organized this in a weird way to me. So the three sections, the first one is magic and necromancy. So necromancy is basically talking to the dead. Right. So magic and necromancy. The second one is witchcraft and sorcery. And the third one is spirits and specters. I don't know why it wasn't just two sections of witchcraft, sorcery, and magic, and then spirits, specters, and necromancy. Well, he didn't have you to copy edit. I feel like nowadays Uh you'd be like, get me a 10%. I will help you spread this to the masses. You know, I would have absolutely hustled him and been like, I'll do it for free. And then I would have taken the only copy available and burned it with witches. (laughs) So that's what would have happened. (laughs) 
So when he took over the throne in England in 1603, he had it published there too, especially because at the time he was surprised that in England there were more skeptics and fewer judges willing to prosecute people for witchcraft. Oh, that's so, too bad. So he him. was like, that won't do. So he brought his own book. Oh, boy. And maybe the scryer. <laughs> and he brought it to England. It was like, <laughs> definitely the handle this. Yeah. <laughs> So he wanted to change the laws in England with the Witchcraft Act of 1604, which, Christine, I'm not kidding you, it made hanging mandatory <gasps> for a person's second offense of witchcraft. Stop. You get one shot at defending yourself. And if someone thinks you're a witch again, which, by the way, which, was every way. goddamn person in town. And what, you do it once and they're not going to blame you again? I don't think so. Exactly. Or like people are already on high alert and super suspicious. And the king is so suspicious. He wrote a book called Demonology and <sighs> all about how he should punish people and torture them. Well, I had a quick thought about the book being disseminated because back then, as we were saying, it's not like every small village you know, people were even literate. And so, mm -hmm. I mean, it's possibly even, I wouldn't say worse, but it's probably just as bad because that just means the people higher up who have more power are the ones reading it and being influenced by yeah. it. So then they're just handing down this information and the laws mm -hmm. and they're the ones in power who can presumably read. No, that's so smart that <sighs> the only people who had access right. to be able to learn about this were people that were higher up and it just kind of trickled down. Ugh, yuck. What a good point. Oh, thank you. Yeah. They're rare, but sometimes they happen. <laughs> that was a gem. That one was a little diamond in the rough. So, but yeah, so he changed the laws in 1604 that literally made hanging mandatory. So Damn. you don't even have a chance if people still think you're a witch after you've defended yourself. You're just going to die. Oh, boy. And when he was ruling all of Great Britain, his actual royal duties finally became more important. And <laughs> oh, <laughs> so he started working as king. He clocked in for a second and then he slowly lost interest in witch persecution, which means that <laughs> isn't that fun? His little hobby. He just like threw it aside. I literally was going to say so he just had like a random hobby. And yep. then when it wasn't of interest to him or when he got too busy at his job, then like he'd already written in all these laws right. about how easy it is to die at one accusation or two accusations. And then he's like, eh. It's not my thing anymore. I'm bored. I mean, he <laughs> did say he was born in June, and I've been thinking, ruminating that he could perhaps be a Gemini like us. And I don't love the feeling, but I, I am sensing a little bit of that kind of flaky attitude here. <laughs> I, you know what? Flaky is probably the nicest thing you could call him. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> let's leave it at that. Up next, I called King James an influencer when this episode started, and I'll tell you why he gets that title officially, despite it being, as you can assume, for a pretty dark reason. Okay, how do you get that blue check? King James died in March 1625, but his witch obsession lived on well past his death, and we experience it today without even realizing it. Oh, no. So you can thank old KJ for that. Thank God. James was succeeded by his second son, Charles, 
And under his grandson, Charles II, more witch hunts took place from 1661 to 1662, keeping James's belief system in place. So just to remind you, he got bored of his own hobby after creating a bunch of really vicious laws. And now mm-hmm. generations later, people are still dealing with this. His grandson's like, oh, in honor of Grandpapa, I'd love to pick up his old <laughs> hobby of fishing and needlepoint and also persecuting women who probably are just trying to help people birth children. Yeah, just torturing helpful people, selfless people. So that same year that the New Witchcraft Act was passed in 1604, Christopher Marlowe's play was published, and it was called The Tragical History of the Life and Death of Dr. Faustus. I know about this. I don't know about it. Oh. Let me make that very clear. I don't know about it, but I know the title, and I always got it confused with Faust. Oh. Never mind. (laughs) This is so not interesting, but I'm excited to finally, if you're going to tell me what this play is actually about, because I feel like it's one of those things that sticks in my brain, but I don't have any clue what it is. You and I can do a personal deep dive later if you'd like, because I also want to know the lovely people at ParCast left it very spooky and cryptic, which... Just how we like it. I appreciate it, but now like my need for knowledge is very thirsty, so... Here's what we know about the play. So its portrayal of witchcraft during the performance, it was reported as shocking and allegedly really affected those that watched it. People claimed to like see demons on stage because they were so rattled by whatever this dark play was about. And really, it was me being cast as an extra, like running across the stage (laughs) in like a black sheet, like woo. It was just like you were just a shadow and the wings and people were freaking out. But no, people left terrified. And if the whole point of it was to scare people, if it was like a fear mongering tactic against witchcraft, people went to go see this play and were so scared of witchcraft (sighs) that not only did it like bolster their reasoning to hate witches, but also it kept them from not wanting to practice witchcraft at all. Oh, boy. So... That's one. Again, I would love to like, I know it was from 1604, but like my stupid millennial brain was like, I'll have to YouTube that later and see if there's like a a version of it online. I think my elementary school actually did that play. And so we could just watch. um, I could just watch you be the demon that you were talking about. Wow, you were talking from experience. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Has there been anything that's ever affected you that badly that's like scared you out of your wits? Yeah, well, everything scares me a lot. So I would say a lot of things, including paranormal activity, including the exorcism of Emily Rose, all really frightened me. I will say some that really stuck with me. I feel like there are plays like Waiting for Godot that stuck with me. I'm so uneducated and uncultured and don't know what you're talking about. Oh, okay. Never mind. Well, what is it? It's a play. <laughs> was it written it's, by Dr. Faustus or something? <laughs> were you in it as a demon? Uh, I don't know. I feel like there were definitely some plays I've seen that really shook me. But I wonder if we would have watched this and been like, oh, that's pretty cool. Oh, that's my fear is that you and I would have been the witches who were like, oh, that's kind of fun. I think without historical context, it would have. I think if we saw it before knowing the background, we right. would have thought, oh, how silly. And then once we knew the background of it, we would have been it's like, no oh, the, yeah. the way that this influenced an entire region and generation of people to kill witches. Hmm. Well, so is there anything that you have in mind that affected you? This is almost unfair to say because it's comparing. Are you going to ap- say Marvel? 
No. Oh. But it's it's comparing apples to oranges because this is nothing like a whole land of people being traumatized into wanting to torture other people. But the only thing I can think of that has permanently scared me into irrational fear is I had a dream when I was a little kid about a fish eating me alive. And to this day, I can't go to aquariums and I can't. <laughs> I have a true, <laughs> I like, know, I a true laugh. phobia of fish where, like, I feel like people make fun of me for it. But, like, people will say, like, oh, we should, like, go to the lake for the day or, like, I, like, <laughs> I won't get in water. I won't touch fish. Like, I won't look at fish at the grocery store. I won't go to aquariums. I'm so fully physically terrified of fish that it's the only thing I can equate to, like, an experience traumatizing me for the rest of time. It's all Why I've got, do you wear so. those horrible, realistic fish flops? I know I say this every time, but like, I wish that that had at least benefited me in the fact that you would never have worn those horrible shoes. I'm trying to conquer my fear. Actually, I did. I threw them away. Thank God. People are going to find out on here and not on And That's Why I Drink, but I did throw them away. It's about time. They were getting funky, but that's the only thing. And again, I know that is like almost insensitive comparing that to like what those other people went through all those years ago. But it's the only thing I can think of where I have had longstanding trauma because of something that really more or less should have not affected people the way it did. The wild part is that you wrote this play in your own mind. It wasn't even like a work of art. It was like a work of art in your head. (laughs) I was three. So everything was pretty scary at the time. Things are still scary. Three-year-old me was just a real basket case. So ditto that much I can relate to for sure. When I was three, I sometimes laid in my mom's bed and I had a dream one night. It was like I was like half awake. Maybe it was sleep paralysis. I'm not sure. I had a dream that she rolled over and Instead of a face, it was all skin. Oh. And so to this day, I'm... What the... (laughs) What? (laughs) To this day, I'm still freaked out when I'm laying in bed next to someone and they roll over. I get, like, freaked out that they're going to have, like, all skin on their face. (laughs) That... (laughs) We say too much on this show. I don't know why it opens up the floodgates, but... Usually, I've always got something to say, but that really... (laughs) I also didn't mean to totally like dismiss your fish story. I I was just trying to think of what happened when I was three in it. No, honestly, thank you for (laughs) giving me a reason to like reevaluate the fact that it's a fish. It's even fish are scary. I agree. Fish and birds are scary. They don't blink. I don't understand how they move if they have no sleep. Nobody knows. Scientists have never figured it out. One time I tried to get in water and one like one hit me. No. I was like, I'm going to be brave. And then I felt something hit me. No. To this day, I can't actually think about it fully without no, like, I, it's so scary. That one I think is a sensible fear. You can't see them. They shouldn't be touching you. Yeah. You would think if you kick your legs violently enough, they will leave you alone. Like, but they won't swim their giant eyes at you. Yeah. And my mom desperately tried to at least tell me like when I was a kid, like, oh, like they don't have teeth. They won't bite you. (gasps) They have teeth. (laughs) At least some of them do. And then there was, I don't know where we were, but we were in some sort of waters. I was on the boat, but I heard them saying like, oh yeah, these fish like to come out and like give you little love bites. And I was like, I would rather die. (laughs) Plus those fish, when you put your feet in the water and they like eat the dead skin off you, I could not imagine that would be how anyone could torture any information out of me. That's all I need. You wouldn't even need to put your foot in. You'd be like, Christine did it. Christine <laughs> I'd take did it. one look and I'd be like, whatever you want me to confess to, I'll do it. Yeah. I'll give Christine up right this very second. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and if Christine asks, if she's saying no, just show her like a completely skinned face. And <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh. 
Moving on quickly as Spotify edits all of that out. <laughs> they just hit the delete button. They've been highlighting that whole section. I know how it goes. We don't mind. We won't be offended if none of that makes it in. <laughs> anyway, we were all the way back when talking about King James, if you remember. And mm. part of him influenced this play. But he also influenced another famous literary work, which was Macbeth. Okay. Heard of that guy. Heard of that so, one. Here's actually a fun fact. So when King James became king, he loved the theater and he sponsored Shakespeare's company. That's so cool. I think that's where they got the name The King's Men from. Oh. And around when he became king, Shakespeare welcomed him becoming king by writing Macbeth for him, which was about witchcraft. That's a nice gift. Allegedly for King James. Apparently, King James had a very quick patience. And so the play was written short on purpose. What do you mean a quick pace? Oh, like he had no patience. He had no patience. Like oh, he, I see. Same. Yeah, he's definitely a Gemini. I'm solving this right now. He's very fidgety. And so because he was short on patience, the plays were also short. So I love that. Funny story. The inaugural performance of Macbeth was seen by Queen Anne of Denmark's brother in 1606, which is ironic since Anne of Denmark was the whole reason he started blaming things on weather witches. No, you're right. So Shakespeare actually worked in several references to James Denmark trip and the North Berwick (sighs) witches. And another thing that he influenced or very directly influenced King James is good old trusty Bible. Right. We still have the King James Bible with scriptures rewritten to include his witch agenda, by the way. So no way. Anyone out there who loves to talk about mistranslations of the Bible, the King James has a few of them. Anyone who hates to talk about it, well, here you go. I love to talk about <laughs> Me the <too>. mistranslations <laughs> of, Bible, of the Bible. It's so fun. So one of them, Exodus twenty two eighteen, was originally, thou must not suffer a poisoner to live. And it became in the King James Bible, thou must not suffer a witch to live. Oh, that's a convenient little translation there. That's very convenient. Very, very, very Just convenient. a little room for creativity, you know? I would love as an adult to take a class on Bible mistranslations or just like, I think that'd be so fun. That would be fascinating. Are you waiting for someone to sign you up? No, I thought, hmm, should I keep going? And I went, no, we already did the fish and skin <laughs> thing. enough tangents. <laughs> anyway, that's King James for you. No wonder I didn't learn about this in Catholic school. What are they going to tell me? Oh, witches and uh, we didn't talk about that i do wonder what people who are religious i wonder what they know about king james i mean i am really into witchcraft and the occult and everything and still didn't know about it so i wonder if people who read the bible for like actual true fun i wonder if they know this and use it to justify why they're against witchcraft or something because i mean it's beneficial to them for their side of the story of like oh with christianity we we shun harry potter (laughs) we shun harry potter king james would so not be into harry potter no but yeah i'm just shocked that this isn't more common knowledge because i feel like the more powerful christians out there would use this argument whenever talking about something they didn't agree with in paganism or Wicca. I don't know, because in the U.S., the witch trials are such a dark part of history that I don't know that people would want to be associated with something called a witch trial Uh and say, that was us. Uh (laughs) That was our guy, KJ. Totally makes sense. You're right. But I don't know. Well, now knowing what you know, would you say that King James is probably one of the bigger antagonists to witches? Uh, Yeah, no doubt. What about you? Oh, yeah. I think he's at least the 
longest and most pervasive influence. Somewhere in his tomb, he's like clapping for himself. He's so proud. <laughs> he's like, wee! That's all he wanted. <laughs> but yeah, I think considering it's been since like the 1500s and he has literally changed the Bible. I mean, how powerful do you have to be to just change a Bible? You know, can we change the Bible? Oh, we could try and see. The poor... um scribe who was like, wait, are you sure we should change it from poisoner to witches? And he's like, do as I say. Yeah. Also, like, why didn't you just say poisoner or witch? Like, you could have had both. powerful, you know? You just want to be like... Annoying. Concise. <laughs> Annoying. I mean, 100%. I went from not knowing about him at all to now it's just emboldening my love for witches. <laughs> so, Same. I'm just like, wow. Fuck that guy. <laughs> he had the opposite effect on us, I guess, but... Yeah, it didn't work, unfortunately. You can't get them all, KJ. <laughs> nice try. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week with another great episode. Information on today's episode came from the BBC, Wonders and Marvels, Scotland Magazine, The National, British Library, and History Extra. Remember to follow Rituals on Spotify to get a brand new episode every week. And you can listen to this and all other episodes of Rituals for free exclusively on Spotify. And if you like this show, follow at Parcast on Facebook and Instagram and at Parcast Network on Twitter. You can find me at BM Schultz. And you can find me at Xteen Schieffer. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week. Rituals is executive produced by Max Cutler and is a Spotify original from Parcast. It was created by Max Cutler. Sound design by Kristen Acevedo with associate sound design by Kevin McAlpine. Fact-checking by Haley Milliken. Research by Chelsea Wood. It's produced by Kristen Acevedo and Jonathan Ratliff with production assistance by Ron Shapiro. We're your hosts, Christine Schiefer and M. Schultz. 